Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a double stuffed, double packed episode for you today. We've got two movie reviews. We're going to be reviewing Little Women, Greta Gerwig's retelling of the American classic, and of course the Safdie Brothers' Adam Sandler film, Uncut Gems. We've also got Golden Globes recap for you. We'll get you all caught up on the winners, what surprised us, and our overall thoughts. Finally, we'll wrap up the show with a schoolyard pick of movies in 2020. Let's do it. Joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. And I am your co-host, Cam. We are very, very excited to be in 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. We're very excited. We're jumping headfirst into 2020. We've got lots of exciting things planned. We decided to come out of the gate strong, Kirk. First episode, double review. Double review today. Wasting no time. None whatsoever. We got 2020 vision for the these double reviews oh, here today, too. I see too. what you did there. Thank you. <laughs> Very clever. Very clever. Yeah, we've got... So we've got two reviews. We'll be, of course, reviewing Greta Gerwig's Little Women, mm-hmm. as well as the Safdie Brothers' Uncut Gems. Two films, Kirk, that could not be more different. Am I right? They are so far apart from one they another. They are polar opposites. They are on way different ends of the spectrum. Even down to the fact that like the Safdie Brothers film is an original story. Little Women is a retelling of a classic. You know, every every detail of each movie is the opposite of the other. So it's gonna be interesting. We're gonna have to put our thinking caps on to make sure we're ready to review both. I hope we can do it. Yeah, we can definitely do it. We can definitely do it. Um Golden Gloves were last night. We watched them, so you don't have to. We watched them from the moment <laughs> they began till the moment they ended, which is a quite the quest because... I can't remember the last time I've done it, to be honest with you. I, I honestly can't. And I've never watched live, ever, ever, because mm-hmm. we live in the, the new millennial age where the we digital can age. watch anything, anytime. I've always recorded it and put my kids down for bed and then fast forwarded through speeches and commercials. Sure. But we just let it roll as if it were 1997. I hate it. I ha- <laughs> <laughs> Is that a hot take? I hate the Golden Globes. I hate them. Um, I love award shows. That one is incredibly dry. Yeah. And I th- and I'm I'm not one of the people who's like anti Ricky Gervais. I thought he's funny. He's like a provocateur, you know. So everything he says is ridiculous and is is made to make you cringe. But I've learned to appreciate comedians like that, you know. Sure. Because so, they don't take things seriously. And things that you find serious, he's like, really? Watch this. Yeah, you can't take him seriously. Exactly. It, it, that's why you won't enjoy it. But there, there were already articles out today that were uh, mad at him. And I'm like, that was 100% a joke, not a he real Yeah, he didn't opinion. mean anything. He didn't so. mean anything. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't get upset about that. I just really find it to be a very dry show. You know, I was talking um, with my wife about this. The Oscars... They have all these bits. They have live performances. They have, you know what I mean? It just feels like a real program. Correct. 
And this feels very much like a high school assembly to me in a lot of ways. Even Ricky Gervais, like, disappeared after the first 20 minutes. I mean, he popped in to give, like, 15-second intros to people, but it was, like, he was barely there. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was the fear of what he might say if you give him too many opportunities. I think that's part of it. But the rest of it was the structure. The structure was just not exciting. Yeah, it wasn't. It was more like a chore. It wasn't. I mean, I think Will Ferrell was funny when he oh he came on. The Will Ferrell <laughs> Pierce Brosnan bit was really funny. Um, not because of Pierce Brosnan, he's not a friend of the pop <laughs> under any circumstances. Um, but Will Ferrell made that a really funny bit, and Kate McKinnon was obviously hilarious as always. But also like heartwarming. Like that was probably the best part of the show. Was, it was like, Kate McKinnon introing Ellen, and then Ellen doing her thing, which. Ellen, like, I think you tweeted from our account that, like, she's just so effort. Like, she just goes to work. Right. I really watched it. It just seems like she's not trying at all, but it's too brilliant to be not trying, you know? It's it's impossible that she could have written all of that before she stood up there. Maybe some, like, bullet points that where she wanted to thank people in, in a certain way, but she just read the crowd and just delivered. Yeah, it I think she's just a genius. Impressive, yeah. Yeah, it was great. So Ellen uh, took home a Lifetime Achievement Award, first ever Carol Burnett Award, which was uh, for Lifetime Achievement uh, Excellence in Television. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Tom Hanks took home the Cecil B. DeMille Award, which is for Excellence in Film. Mm-hmm. So um, two people that I don't think there could be two more deserving people out there. I mean, it was pretty perfect. I'm trying to think, like, who would win this in the years to come? Yeah, I mean, I think there have been some people in the past that have won that I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Plenty of picks for film. Yeah, yeah, for film, for sure. TV's got to be a hard decision. Television's tough (laughs) because a lot of those, like, TV staples end up being dirtbags later in life, which is kind (laughs) of a bummer. Um Yeah, it's an interesting thing. It'll be interesting to see. And I guess we're going to, like, run into the issue where we're going to start giving TV awards out to people who were only on streaming TV at some point. Yeah, yeah. so it's a a good point. And it acts as a good segue into the awards. I want to go through – I'm going to go through real quick um, and and just kind of give highlights of the awards and some of the things that we saw to, to just let people know what happened. But I want to come back to that thought on streaming. So don't let me don't let me forget about that because there was an interesting theme emerging last night that I thought um, is something that we should talk about. Mm-hmm. But anyway, real quick, I'm going to buzz through these awards. Uh, Rami Youssef won Best Actor in a Television Musical or Comedy for his performance in the show Rami, his own show. Um, Phoebe Waller Bridge took home awards for Fleabag as Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy. Fleabag also took home the award for best television uh, musical or comedy. Succession did very well. Succession won best television drama, and Brian Cox, who plays Logan Roy on Succession, took home best actor in a television series drama. So that was a bit of a flip from the Emmys that we saw earlier on last year um, with Succession doing well. Olivia Coleman, who wins everything. <laughs> she everything. seems to win everything. She's fantastic. She won for The Crown, uh, best actress in a, in a drama, uh, Russell Crowe and Michelle Williams took home the acting awards in the limited series and Chernobyl took home limited series awards, both for, um, best supporting actor, Stellan Star- Skarsgård and best limited series. And then Patricia Arquette won for the act. And let's see what else we have. Oh, so moving over to film, 
the two big winners were Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the comedy and musical category because that's a hilarious comedy, right, Kirk? It is a side splitter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that so uh, that's misleading because the movie is funny. We've talked about this. It is funny. It has great comedic elements. Not a comedy. Not a comedy. No, no. We're witnessing The Martian all over again. And uh, 1917, with the big shocker of the night, taking home Best Motion Picture Drama, which is the big award. So we'll swing back to that one. Mm -hmm. Sam Mendes also winning for Best Director for 1917, um, which that film gets wide release this weekend. So be sure to check that one out. I think it's going to be, you know, we're going to be sprinting to theaters to go see that one for sure. Um, Parasite won Best Motion Picture Foreign Language. Best screenplay went to Quentin Tarantino, so Once Upon a Time did very well. Um, Rocket Man also performed very well, getting Best Original Song and Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Um, Joker, on the other hand, with the score and Best Actor in a Drama. Joaquin Phoenix, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I'm like really, really hoping that he rides this wave straight into the Oscars. You know, I was really happy that he won for you, but then he gave that super crazy awkward speech. Yeah, and what was that? I had hoped that the voting for the Oscars had already taken place, but they haven't yet. So good luck to you. <laughs> uh, supporting awards went to you. Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Um, Taron Egerton won for Rocket Man, and Missing Link with the surprise upset took on three Disney films in the animated film category and won. Insane, insane. Uh, been told it's a good movie, so definitely eager to check that one out. And then, of course, Renee Zellweger took home the other drama acting award, probably the easiest call of the night by a long shot. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, that's Golden Globes in three minutes there for you. How'd I do? You did fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I know that's a little dry, but I want to make sure you guys know exactly who won everything. But I want to swing back because it was an interesting night. Yes? Oh, yeah. Sam Mendes winning for 1917 Best Director up against some juggernauts. Mm -hmm. You've got Quentin Tarantino. You've got... Uh, Marty Scorsese, you've got Bong Joon-ho, who's done an incredible job, and then um, Todd Phillips, who I think people thought was sort of the surprise of the category, but every expert that I read did not pick Sam Mendes. I don't think I came across a single person who predicted the Sam Mendes win or a 1917 win for the night. So that was a big, big shock. But it begs the question, Kirk, when you talk about streaming, is there a streaming bias among the voters of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. The two movies that were expected to perform, well, the two movies that have been performing very, very well throughout awards season up until this point, Marriage Story mm -hmm. and The Irishman, both Netflix movies. The Irishman, shut out last night, won nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. That's the movie that is the best picture frontrunner right now for the Oscars, according to most experts. Marriage Story takes home one award, and the award that it took home was probably the least likely of the bunch. Is that safe to say? Very much so. I mean, Laura Dern, we both agree, was fantastic in that movie, mm -hmm. but I think most experts that I read said that J Jennifer Lopez was going to take home that award. It was a very contentious category, so I was surprised. Um, you know, I thought screenplay would maybe be a better chance or even best picture, to be quite honest with you. Certainly. It made no sense that Laura Dern... She's good, but by no means did she do something extraordinarily out of her element with this role right. in Marriage Story. And that's, sure. what, that's what takes home the win for, the, for these kind of uh, awards and 
that's what happened, and I'm still baffled by it. Yeah, if you've watched Big Little Lies, mm-hmm. I, I think that she plays like a more charismatic version of Renata from that show. Yes. So she kind of is playing a similar character. Still a great performance, like absolutely taking zero away from her there. It's just that a lot of times in those categories, you do see exactly what you're talking about. Someone who pushed the envelope, did something they've never done before, did something transformative, you Mm -hmm. know, something like Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Renee Zellweger, those types of performances is, is what you typically see take home these awards. So it was a bit of a surprise. So that does beg the question of, is there a streaming bias? Do you think that these awards voters look at Netflix, look at Amazon Prime as a threat to their well-being and their lifestyle and therefore tend to vote for the big studios and the the sort of like the guys that have been there, you know? Mm-hmm. What are that, your thoughts? That's an excellent observation. In my mind, I would think that there shouldn't be a bias because some of the biggest um, creators in cinema are now throwing things up on onto streaming. It's but true. Because that's where the money's at. Right. Yeah. But it is very apparent in the voting last night. Um, so I'll play devil's advocate both ways here. So uh, as a millennial streaming, I say, go for it. You're going to get more people to watch it. You're going to get more people talking about it. You're going to get higher reviews, better better opinions, and better just dissection of the film. But film originally and always has been coming to theaters and experiencing it as a group of strangers in a place where you never would meet and you see it on this big screen and you shut out the rest of the world. Because let's be honest, when you watch at home, you're doing a million things. You're pausing right. the movie, you're going to the bathroom, you're taking care of dogs, kids, whatever. So that idea of, of escapism is is very different in both in both mediums of of viewing so all that to say uh i think we did see some bias last night i think there is a bias i do i think it may be isolated to these awards it'll be interesting to see what happens on february 9th with Mm -hmm. the oscars because the two um voting groups are very different you know the hollywood foreign press association they're journalists Mm -hmm. and they're journalists who write about these things they write about movies they write about you know it's kind of like uh the Critics' Choice Awards, things like that. Um, whereas the Academy of Arts and Sciences is a group of people from all different walks of life and different, you know, disciplines. You know, they're they're it's a massive set, and so you tend to get voting that is a little bit more. I don't know, representative of kind of like the the country at large. That's I would a great think. way to put it. Yeah. So. Um, if we see it happen at the Oscars, it will be interesting. I don't expect that to be the case. I expect when the when the Oscar noms drop, that Marriage Story and the Irishman will be Marriage Story, the Irishman, and I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will probably have the most noms. Mm-hmm. Oh, nineteen seventeen will be up there because of cinematography and sound mixing and editing and all of those different things. Um, and I expect one of the Irishman or Marriage Story to take home the big award, but who knows? So it's it'll be an interesting theme to watch as this grows because Netflix is going nowhere. Amazon Studios, no. no. <laughs> they're they're here and they're playing for keeps. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, they are. No, they're here to win. Um what else surprised you last night? I mean, I know that we got the nineteen seventeen wins. Those kind of took my breath away. I haven't seen the movie, so I think it would have been more impactful if I had seen it mm-hmm. and then was like, Oh man, no way. But like what else was there that sort of surprised you? I was basically surprised all night because the 
the ballot that I filled out, I was almost completely wrong. Those so. things, man, those <laughs> things are hard. I, I've, I've done Oscar ballots the last couple of years and I never fare well. I, I never do. Um, I, I mean, I personally was surprised by rocket man that, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think that Taron Ed- Egerton should have beaten Leo. I mean, Leo was insane. He's perfect. And if you're going to give the supporting actor award to Brad Pitt, it seems like kind of a slap in the face to not give Leo the acting award because so much of their performances relied on one another. They shared a lot of screen time and they played off of one another. And Leo was so, so good. Um, One of his best performances. Yeah. and And you see this happen a lot of times. It's like people who share the screen with Leo win awards. It's such a weird thing. In sports, they say they talk about athletes who make everyone around them better. Mm-hmm. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is the equivalent of that. Yeah, and Brad Pitt's speech, acceptance speech, even uh, played to that. He said, "You know, working with him, I understand finally that you know everyone who talks about him, they they say he's a gent. He's so wonderful and and supportive, and that absolutely plays in its part there. I think that was the that was the one that I was hopeful." to see someone else win. I really wanted Pacino to win for Irishman. Yeah, I was surprised that, you know, with two nominees, both of who in my, in my opinion are deserving, I was surprised to see the Irishman get shot out of that category. Yeah. I mean, Brad Pitt did a great job and he was very dynamic in that role. He was. Yeah, I think so. And wonderfully sarcastic at times and brave. And I, I just loved it. Every, every portion of that, of that performance, obviously, because that's my highest rated film of the year and probably forever and i just really thought that al pacino surprised me because he's been kind of only he's been doing all this theater for a long period of time and then he came back to film to, to do a couple of films he's got a new amazon series coming up but oh his, that looks good yes it Hunters. does Hunters. that looks really good but in this role of the irishman i was just floored and just captivated and i really wanted him to win that and that that one that one you know cut me a little deep i was a little sad yeah and it's a charismatic performance which tends to again perform well at these types of things right the big loud boisterous charismatic types of performances so um that was a surprise i think for me you know the golden globes are the golden globes we talk about it being a popularity contest that was very much the case last night you know when you've got and and again it's not to say that these people gave less than amazing performances but Russell Crowe winning for The Loudest Voice. You've got Patricia Arquette winning for The Act. You've got Michelle Williams winning for Fosse Verdon. You know, people who are who are decorated, who've been, who've been around. And um, there was definitely a lot of that going on. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood performing well. Um, not that it's not a, a great movie. I just... It, it, these are themes that you see emerging. Yeah. And The Globes, some of these nominations make no sense to me. You're right. So it was inconsistent. So all these big yeah, players, oh, yeah. like I Stellan mean, Skarsgård, Michelle Williams, uh, I mean, even Brad Pitt. Okay, he's Brad Pitt. So any one of those would have been a good choice. But then you had, like, as we talked about earlier, Rami winning for Rami, right? Rami, yeah. Rami, yeah. my bad. Nope. Um, so we've had in the past, you know, uh, even over in the in the Best Actress category, Rachel Brosnahan has won for Marvelous Miss Maisel twice. She won twice in a row. Right. And then Phoebe Waller-Bridge won twice in a row last year and this year yeah. for Fleabag. And then it was like, well, well, Barry's next, right? Barry won last year, right? Bill Hader won. Yep. And so he's going to win again. No, Raimi comes in, kind of disrupts that. And like no one's seen this show, as the actor even said. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> Rami, it's a Hulu show, right? It's a Hulu show. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. But 
that was that was incredibly shocking with all with everything else all the other winners of the night it it made no sense yeah i thought brian cox winning for succession was a surprise i mean there were surprises all night and then even in the nominations you know right when the nominations come out you see weird things like bong joon oh being nominated for director and screenplay but parasite not being not being nominated for best motion picture drama I'm sorry, that makes no sense. None. I mean, that makes zero. How can a movie have one of the best, be one of the best directed films, and have one of the best screenplays, and not be nominated for best picture? There's That's no, just absurd. There's no logic here no, at the Golden Globes. <laughs> I know, and, and it's stuff like that that you're like, okay, this is why people don't care about this award show. This is why people throw this out. You know, ratings were down this year again, fifteen percent over last year. That is not small. Ouch. That is not small at all. And there was no, they weren't competing with football. They weren't competing with much. So I don't know, man. I, I mean, we will always, I vow, as long as the Golden Globes are on TV, we will watch it so that you guys don't have to and you can check in with us on Tuesday morning and listen um, to the awards. But that show's a bit of a mess. Yes. And, uh, you know, we were talking last week, or I can't remember exactly when it was, about shows being predictive for the Oscars. Um, did some digging and actually 538, which 538.com, who uh, is a data analysis, data visualization company, they did a lot of stuff during the elections. They do tons of sports stuff. They did a study. It was like, I want to say it was like 2017 or 2015 or something like that. So not the most current thing, but of of the award shows that were most uh, well correlated with the Oscars. And Golden Globes were like 12th on the list. Oh, good. That's yeah. fantastic. So, I mean, it was like 13% correlation. <laughs> so, really what I think the what you hear people say a lot of times is, well, watch the Globes because they help predict the Oscars. And that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. So, um, if you watched last night, hope you enjoyed the show. Um, and if you had people win, like me with Joaquin Phoenix, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. great, Joaquin Phoenix. Don't for one second think that that means he's going to win the big one. Because I'm never safe, Kirk. I'm not safe until that happens. There's gonna be a live reaction. I'm gonna be, dude. I'm gonna be sweating bullets. Best actor category. Oh man, it's gonna be a good one. So that's the Golden Globes. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> At least enjoyed our recap. That way, you know, you don't have to deal with all of the awkwardness of that show. I just want to say I, I ate 28 double stuffed golden oreos oh yeah kirk tried to kill us last night <laughs> tried to literally kill us you want to tell the people about your sick game it was a beautiful game i had no uh, understanding or foresight that that i thought that i would end up so horribly ill last oh. night you know they have they have drinking games for for award shows and football games and sporting events uh you know it's like take a shot every time this happens or yeah. it doesn't happen well if you were watching our social media, I did this for our Golden Globes, and I forced Cameron to do it with me. And uh, I ate 28 cookies for 28 faux pas and bad choices uh, yeah. on the nomination list. Not just any cookies. Golden Oreos. Double stuffed, Kirk. Double stuffed. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Double stuffed? When you know you're going to be eating tons of them? I guess I had such confidence going into it that I thought, oh, maybe we'll eat like three. Yeah. Ten. No. 28 yeah 
here's the thing that first of all that's inhuman I, i'm not even sure how you're alive you should be dead i should because you ate 28 of those and we're drinking pepsi <laughs> all night i ate i ate eight of them so if you're a first time listener i've mentioned on the show i do not do sweets i can't i don't have a sweet tooth i just can't do it i ate eight cookies and tapped out i said kirk if i eat one more golden oreo i'm literally going to puke and i'm i am not ashamed to be like i'm done i can't do it yeah I tried. I really did. I tried. I was choking down the eighth cookie. I was like <laughs> gagging and drinking water after every bite. It was torturous. <laughs> so, Kirk, you're a better man than me. I don't know. It, it, that was a, quite a performance by you. Thank you. Thank you. I would like to, for the Hollywood Forum Press to please nominate me for some yeah. category or a special award next year, Best maybe. competitive eating performance. I think that's uh, well-deserved on by my part. By an amateur. Yeah. Will you throw my nomination their way, please? Yes, I will. I sure will. I appreciate I, it. Yeah. It was uh it was a night to be remembered for for many reasons mostly because I was like doubled over on the floor <laughs> for the second half of the show just like kill me after 8. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to eat what was my final number? 25? 24. 24. You did well. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I did well. Yeah. 24. <laughs> I got 24 things wrong. You had four more things right than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh. what a night. Um well, like I said, we got no time to lose. We got a packed show. So we're jumping into what's popping. There it is. I'm going to go rapid fire on you because we've got two movies to review. Okay. Late on me. This one is big. Are you ready for something big? Yes. Ginormous. Let's go. There are rumors. Collider is reporting that Christian Bale. I'll repeat that for effect. Christian Bale, the goat. Can I call him the goat? absolutely yeah he's in talks to join the mcu what that's right kirk christian bale yeah heavy breathing wow via 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 both take a ytt's thor love and thunder so he's going to be in thor love and thunder alongside chris hemsworth natalie portman take who will almost certainly be reprising his role as korg I mean, I don't even know how to react to this. I was so shell-shocked by this. I thought it, there's no way it could be real. It's real. There, But it's in talks, Kirk. So we have to... Dang it. I think it will happen because a lot of times when these... Th- I mean, Jonah Hill, though, was in talks for Batman and that didn't happen. So every once in a while, these things fall through. This has to happen. This must happen. I've mentioned before that Thor is my favorite superhero of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I've loved all the Thor movies, you know, minus Thor 2. Yeah, sure. Let's be real. Uh, But there are some good elements of Thor 2 that come into play throughout the entire universe otherwise. But Christian Bale entering the MCU after playing the Dark Knight is such, A, a slap in the face to DC, and B, just incredible casting. I don't know who he'll play. I have no idea. So, villain? Not to dampen your mood. What? This is my take. I'm, I'm worried about this. Why? Because I feel like it's going to be a villain or something that's like a one-shot, and that is Mm. not acceptable to me. That's not. I want him to be around. I don't want him to be some sort of, like, gadget. He's amazing, and I I don't want this to be a villain. I really don't. But what if he's one of – what if he's the next big bad? If – I mean, hey – I'm I'm all around for that. I don't know who that would be, who he would play. No clue. Maybe, he's Galactus. <laughs> maybe he's Doctor Doom. Oh my gosh. 
I don't know. See, I, I'm having a hard time envisioning the fit. But I know that he's incredible and can do anything. So if he's talking about it, it must be something legit. And I don't know. I just I'm trying to maintain my composure here with this thing because I could lose my mind and be like, "Oh my gosh, Christian Bale!" Like me, I'm already there. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm I want to be there, Kirk. I do, but I'm scared. I don't want a villain that's just a one shot. I don't want Hella from Thor three. Well, but you, I don't like Kate Blanchett. I so do I was like Kate Blanchett. Yeah. It's fine with her demise. I know. It's just anyway. We'll keep a very close eye on that. Yes, we will. I, and by that, I mean I'll be refreshing Twitter for the rest of the night for if, a contract. If it's fake, or not fake, but if it just falls through, I'm going to eat the rest of the golden Oreos in sadness. Oh, then you'll die. That, exactly. Dead. All right. Well, <laughs> that's, that's high stakes. Come on, sad. Christian Bale. Pull through for us, please. My life okay. on it. Net, none, this one's big, too. We got tons of big news coming out. I'm for it. This one was right. This one was during the Golden Globes last night. I was like, say what? Knives Out, smash hit, one of the biggest movies of the year, is getting sequeled. Daniel Craig would like to return as Detective Benoit Blanc. And so what this sort of sounds like to me, and let me know if you think that they're going a different direction by all means, they're going to do like an Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot thing here, where like, the detective is what carries over in each story, but he's, he's like the star detective who comes in and solves the crime, but the crime is different every time, different cast of characters. So that whole family would not be a part. No Chris Evans, no, none of those guys. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's clever. I don't know, or I can't think of any other film series or franchise out there. That's like that as of late well i mean uh murder on the orient express so they're they're sequeling that okay they're doing um oh, what is it oh my my wife's gonna kill me she's a, <laughs> she's a huge <laughs> agatha christie fan oh death on the nile okay they're doing death on a nile with kenneth branagh returning i believe as director and star again because he played hercule perot in in uh murder on the orient express mm -hmm. so they're kind of doing that same thing but what's really cool about this, if, if that is what they're doing, is that means every time we get one of these movies, we get a full new cast of characters, which is the most fun part of any detective movie. There's all these different people that are like caricatures and are, the cast in Knives Out was so much fun that it's hard to believe that we get another one, but I'm all here for it. That'd be really cool. I would say I'm such a big fan of like sneaky continuity that I would hope that at some point during this sequel, if it happens, that I would hope that someone from the original Knives Out like sneaks in as either um, maybe not the like the full perpetrator of, yeah. of the crime, but definitely a part of it. Yes. And then they get roasted. Like they just like keep like teetering yeah, could, people through and then they, they get killed in the next movie. <laughs> it could be. It could it, they could happen. I think it would be difficult given how things go in Knives Out, but sure. it's possible. I think I think they can do it. Yeah, so definitely all here for that. Daniel Craig says he wants to go on this thing. He wants to go, like, now, because he wants his, his schedule's clear, and he's like, let's, let's film it. Let's do it. That'd be really neat. So here's hoping. We'll keep you guys up to date on that one as well. Next big news. Tom Hanks, uh, last night, so they do this weird thing. We were talking about at the show. Right after they get their award, they walk off the stage, and they're ambushed by the press. They have to go out. They do a full press conference. During Tom Hanks's press conference, he was in an interesting mood. It was kind of like joking around with the press. You know, he just got a Lifetime Achievement Award. He was clearly very emotional and like very moved by the whole thing. And so he was feeling really, really good. And while he was talking, 
he was kind of joking around with people who were saying like, you always play a good guy. When are you going to play a villain? He's like, you guys keep asking me these stupid questions. I'm going to go play a villain just to do it. Just so you can stop asking it. And it uh, turns out he was serious. He's going, he said he's going to Australia to work with Boz Lerman in a film where he will play a villain. No idea what the details of that are, but sounds very, very interesting. I would like to know this right away. Now it's Boz Lerman. So might it be the Elvis biopic? How do you have a villain in an Elvis biopic? Isn't wasn't his manager really shady? I believe he was. So not necessarily oh. like a, a conventional villain, but a darker character, mm-hmm. someone with less than good motives. Right. I could see that. That actually feels like the right way for him to dip his toes into the villain uh, right. water. He can't be thrown into DC or Marvel and be like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like get the, the Green Batman. Goblin. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. Although now I want to see something like that. I don't. No, I, I like Tom Hanks, but that's that, I don't like this the idea of that. I think of it similar to um, David S. Pumpkins, like just this absolutely bizarre <laughs> character. Could he play? Any questions? <laughs> I love David Pumpkins. What's the S stand for? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that'll be an interesting one as well. All kinds of crazy news. Greta Gerwig is working on a musical? Yeah. Please and thank you. Please. How much? What do you need? What? What? I feel like somebody who's just. I. I just want to help. What you, can I do? Do you need some crew? You need a guy to hold the boom mic. I'm. I'm there. We'll act in it too. Greta, I don't. I don't care. You need somebody to go get coffee for people. Let's do it. Let's go. This is our. This is our invitation, Greta. We will be there for you. Yeah, and in true Greta fashion, I'm. I love her. Mm-hmm. I love everything that she does. She. She was like the world needs more tap dancing. If there is a more perfect and simple description of where things are right now i don't know it i think she's exactly right i was like yes please please and thank you and uh i'm gonna go ahead and assume emma watson's gonna be in this you think so i do i do because emma watson can sing she can dance she was gonna be mia in la la land true before she left to go do beauty and the beast Mm -hmm. they just worked together on little women I don't know. That's my bold prediction. I think Emma Watson's going to be in this thing. Okay. Okay. Maybe she's the lead in it. Unless Sersha's like, no, me again, please. I love working with you, oh, too. Oh, like what she did with Little Women? Yes. She was like, yeah, I'm Joe. Yep. And Greta's like, okay, you're Joe. That's, <laughs> that's fine. I guess this is how this is going to go down. Sure. <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, so that, I mean, I could not be more stoked for that project. It's going to be wonderful. Kirk, I threw this one in for you. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood one of your faves from this year yes. is potentially getting a four hour director's cut that would be released next year. Yes. Are you for that? Yes. You know, lots of people, their sole complaint about this movie is the length. They think it was too long. Yes. <laughs> well, it's on. like borderline. It's almost three hours long. It's only two hours and 40 minutes. That's, that's <laughs> cake. <laughs> yeah. That's real. That's a real, <laughs> just drink it like coffee. It goes down smooth. Oh yeah. Um, Four hours? Director's cut? Yeah, I think what's interesting here is whenever we talked about this movie, I talked about how um, how restrained Quentin Tarantino was, that he actually like kept his ambitions in check and like didn't indulge himself too much. That four-hour cut is going to be total overindulgence. <laughs> like, it's going to be just full-blown Tarantino yeah. madness. So there's a deleted scene uh, on, on the on the DVD and Blu-ray digital special that you, yeah. you got me for my birthday, you and Jackie. Thanks again. Yeah. yeah. And it's simply, um, Leo as his character 
talking about the movie that they're making <laughs> for like 15 minutes. Yes, please. Like he's sitting next to to a journalist. I believe it's the same journalist that. Oh no, sorry, it's the director. It's the director of the Italian of the Italian oh, spaghetti, the spaghetti western. western. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's I watched the entire thing with just complete joy in my heart, and very few parts of it were actually even related to the plot. And that's what Quentin Tarantino does does so well. He just sneaks in parts of the plot after all this wonderful playful banter and then it's like oh that's part of the movie oh okay great let's yeah. go all these threads and i could just i could watch a six hour cut of that film 100 percent. all right well i'll sign you up thank you i'll ship it to your house thank and then you. i'll bill you <laughs> don't bill me <laughs> <laughs> at, a, at a large cost finder's fee <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay last piece of news this one this one could hurt you kirk this one could hit you right in your heart why didn't you give me the once upon a time news well, after? Because I want to build you up and then tear you down. <laughs> That's the goal. I want to get the most visceral reaction I can. Oh, okay. Ready? Yeah. In a recent interview, Simon Pegg, who of course plays Scotty in the Star Trek, the new Star Trek series, mm-hmm. said that Noah Hawley's Star Trek, which has been talked about as Star Trek Four, it's the latest Star Trek project. He says that that project may not necessarily be a continuation of the Chris Pine, Zoe Saldana, Zachary Quinto storyline. Which would mean presumably the end of that universe? Or maybe just that thread? And Simon Pegg says that because he you know, heard about the project, but he doesn't even know if he's involved in it yet. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot of assumptions. But he seems to think that if, if it were a project involving all of them that he would have been notified by now. What are your thoughts on that? I don't like it. I don't like it one one tiny bit because I just told you how much I love continuation, continuity. And if they take this away from me, this beautiful world they built up with Chris Pine, the immaculate, perfect male specimen, Chris Pine. He's a specimen, yes. And friend of the pop. Why? Why would they, why would they do that? Why? I... It's a fair question. I don't know why they would do it because then we're So let me ask you this cuz you know more about Star Trek than I do. Do they ever do like things that don't involve that main crew of people? Well, I mean historically they've had other they've had other starships, other starfleets. You know, you got Deep Space 9, you got the Next Generation. So could they do something like that that exists in the same universe? They could. Different group and then swing back later on? Because that could be nifty. That's very possible, actually. You got Archer. There's There, there are lots of possibilities for that. Um, I guess I'd be fine if they explored one of those captains. Yeah, I think if you... I think if this movie's... If this movie crosses the line into reboot territory where you're getting like a new Captain Kirk mm-hmm. <laughs> or just like a totally different timeline. That's where I give this a hard no. Mm-hmm. But you know, if they play around in the current timeline, I'll give it the time of day. I would, I would obviously prefer it be the Chris Pine timeline. I'm a fan of those movies. I, I'm not a Trekkie by any means at all, but um, I watch those movies. I think they're mostly entertaining. Uh, I didn't like the third one that much, but I'm all for another one. Just I'll I'll see it if it comes out. So I think that's the that's the key right there. If they start with another Captain Kirk and random crew, it's not possible. So I hope they're smart enough not to do that because yeah, it's too soon. 
Chris Pine worked so you can see how hard he's working. You could see he he did his homework to be that character because that was going to be it and it, and he nailed it. It's a great cast. As someone who's not a Trekkie, they seem to have nailed the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know that I am familiar with the characters because they're huge pop cultural reference. I mean, Zach Zach Quinto is Spock. It's incredible. He does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people were mad about the con thing. I don't really care about all that crap, but nor do I. Yeah, so it, it's a it'll be interesting. I like Noah Hawley. I know that whatever he gives us is going to be wacky and weird because that's how he does business. So I'm here for that. But I hope that our friends are back. I really do. I'm nervous, but I I I'll watch it. I will watch it. All right. Well, that wasn't as rapid fire as I thought. I I myself, <laughs> like Quentin Tarantino's four-hour director's cut, I overindulged myself there. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about all the things. I care. These are good news bits, too. Is, I mean, we don't always get stuff like this. No, we don't. And this is a safe space for your feelings, Cam. I know. This is a juicy, juicy week of news. Yes. And now we're jumping into double reviews. Oh, man. Now here, let's do this. We've got two movies to review. Because I went first last week. Okay. It's your turn to go first, which this week means you also get to choose which movie we review first. I like that. Yeah. I like that indeed. What is your choice, Kirk? Well, because I'm a little stressed out because we're doing two movie reviews, I'm going to go Uncut Gems. All right. Let's go. Let's dive headfirst into Uncut Gems. Let me hear your tweet synopsis. My tweet synopsis is as follows. Howard Ratner is an ambitious entrepreneur with his own jewelry store. Desperate to pay off his debts, Howard continues to feed on his terrible gambling addiction in an effort to score the next big win. How long will his luck last? Find out in <laughs> Uncut Gems. What the heck, man? I was like, <laughs> what are you trying to sell the movie? I am. Wow. Just want okay. to help the Safdie brothers yeah, out. Yeah, help them out. I mean, they're... You know, they're entrepreneurs themselves. They need they need all the help they can get. <laughs> wow, that was hilarious. Um, my tweet synopsis. Howard Ratner is a jewel dealer whose high-stakes lifestyle has him in too deep. He acquires a rare Ethiopian black opal and sets out for one last big score. Perfect. That's it. I kept the short. I love it. All right. I kept mine short this time, too. Yeah. BT dubs. Let's do it. Um, and the Oscar goes to who you got. I have Adam Richard Sandler. Is that his actual middle name? I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to fact check that. Unless I got... <laughs> I don't want to offend Adam Sandler. Unless I went to the wrong website when I searched his middle name. <laughs> Somebody just edited his Wikipedia page. They're like, yep. Adam Richard Sandler. He he was incredible. The There's been a lot of buzz about his performance uh, coming into this because obviously Adam the Sandman has been... <laughs> has the been Sandman. notoriously uh the the big comedian uh, one of the biggest comedians of our time uh, of living and all throughout the movie and especially at the end of it when i was trying to dissect his performance i thought to myself was it was he just good because he was a comedian playing a dramatic role or did he actually nail on uh, and do the homework and uh, completely take on this character and become this person. And I think it's the second one because if you were to, when you're watching this movie, if you see Adam Sandler, then, and you're waiting for the punchline, well then he didn't do a good job. Right. And right. He, he didn't do that. I, I've kind of forgot it was him. And I really got, uh, I've really fell into the trap that, and the suspension of disbelief that this was Howard Ratner running his jewelry shop and going through all the crazy antics that he, that he did. So, 
Um, that's that's what I want to talk about, the relevancy of his performance. I think this probably has some some secrets uh, because his performance was so well constructed, uh, echoes of his own life. Uh, there was a movie a couple of years ago called, and I say a couple, but it was probably 10, called Funny People with him and Seth Rogen. Yeah, sure. Where Adam Sandler was a stand-up comedian and he was he was just depressed and hated his life and we got to see like behind the curtain of comedy. And I feel like he was probably able to tap into some of the sadder parts of his own life and maybe kind of the, uh, the struggle of being on top of the world and then um, having movies like Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2. And there's a movie where he also plays his own sister in a movie. I don't even know what that one's called, like Jack and Diane. I don't know. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I want to say congrats, Sandman. I really, I really uh, loved it. Uh, this script was penned 10 years ago, as I understand it. Yeah, 2009. And it was passed over to one of uh, Adam Sandler's team members, and they said, not at all, not happening. And then this time around, it came directly to Adam Richard Sandler, and he said, let's go, let's do it. Yeah, they were really on the hunt for a, they wanted a Jewish actor. Because mm-hmm. this this is a passion project for the Safdie brothers. You know, they're two jewish americans they live in new york they love basketball they're huge knicks fans it just oozes into this movie you know they really wanted to make this film they turned down i I read that they turned down a superhero movie um to direct this one like a high profile one so that's interesting um so they wanted to get their guy you know i mean they originally tossed it to adam sandler they felt like he was perfect you know adam sandler's is really this is gonna sound like a kind of a large and dramatic statement, but he's really kind of the comedian of our generation in a lot of ways, Kirk. I feel like he is. Sure. Um, and so for them, you know, they, this is their guy. This is the perfect guy. And so they, they kicked it around to a few other people. I know Jonah Hill was considered a, at one point. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting thing. They considered a few older actors, but this was their guy. They finally got him and they made this movie in 2019, which, uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. It's a pretty cool project. Um, Bravo to them for holding holding their ground. Uh, you know, I think so too. They probably had lots of other opportunities. They made Good Times before this, but and looking at this and comparing it to Good Times, like the Passion Project is right because this was this had so much love and so much care. Yeah. Good Times was a great film with Robert Pattinson, but or this is it one, High Life? I thought it was High Life. Or did I make that up? Nope, High Life is a new Robert Pattinson film oh, gotcha, that, that gotcha. came out just this year. Um, which is confusing because he's he's like the main character in both, and uh, it's pretty much all about him as far as the direction. Uh, so the seeing um, seeing them wait and say nope, we're waiting for Adam Sandler. That's kind of what it felt like until he was able to finally say yes and really just go for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also had Adam Sandler um, for all of the reason you mentioned and more. I thought that. I, th- I think what you talk about with him being, was he a student or was he just kind of improving in yeah. a way? I, I think there was definitely some improv. Don't get me wrong. But I think Adam Sandler is a pro. You know, comedy is not as easy as people think it is. And for him to be on top of that world for as long as he was, you know, doing these massive comedy records and comedy albums, like with songs and, and, and stand up, you know, he, it's, it takes somebody who really understands people. And I think that was the key because this movie is like one big non sequitur. 
Like there's just constantly these different interactions, people coming in and out and nothing, nothing really like flows. It feels like a very hectic, hectic life, which is by design. Uh And he is the maestro at the center of that orchestrating all of these interactions. And it just feels like real life. And I think that that comes from the fact that he knows people and he knows, you know, he, he's familiar with, the Jewish community he's familiar with this lifestyle and that's why he was the perfect pick. And he's ultimately familiar with how people interact. So he makes people feel comfortable. You know, Kevin, Kevin Garnett, who was in this movie, first time actor, basketball player, he had to have been nervous. You know, he had to have been nervous playing this role, but you know, he, he looked comfortable. They had really real interactions on screen. And I think that Adam Sandler really just, he quarterbacked this whole thing. You know, he yeah. just, he just kind of like was the traffic. Not to use a thousand different analogies, but he was, you know, the, the traffic guy, he just making sure everything's going smoothly and kind of making everybody feel comfortable. So, um, his, his performance is, is up to the hype. It is. It is. It's Oscar worthy. It 100%. Is. I don't know that he'll get a nom. It's a tough, tough year. It really is. It's too bad. Um, be, but because he does deserve it. Um, and he, maybe maybe he will. He maybe might he get will. it if the bias continues. Then we'll see a nomination of Uncut Gems, which went on, only a theatrical release. That's right. No streaming release. A twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. So we could see that overtake and push out some of the streaming service people, which I'd be okay with. I'd be fine with it. Yeah. As long as Leo still gets nominated. Yeah, I mean, uh, Adam Sandler deserves it. So somebody somebody who deserves to get nominated is going to get left out. I hole. hope he doesn't push Joaquin out of the running for your sake. Oh, don't say that, Kirk. <laughs> don't even joke do about we, that. Do we have uh, any kind of like extra thing if he doesn't even get nominated? Oh, I'm not getting Two a t- tattoos. No, no, I'm not getting or... a tattoo if he doesn't get nominated. That's like... That's rigged at that point. And I'll just call rigged and I'll be like, nope, not happening. He has to get nominated. I'm making that rule now. I actually uh, called the Academy Cameron and <laughs> he's getting nominated. He's getting nominated. He's going to win. All right. Let's move into Scene Stealer. Lots of different supporting cast here, all being asked to do very, very different things. Who won your vote? This was so hard. There are th- It was. It was. It was hard. There are at least three people who are worthy of this spot from the popcorn for breakfast table here. Yeah. I went with Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. That's a good pick. I I haven't seen him play a role like this, really. I, we've, no. seen, we've seen him come out. He was brainwashed in Get Out, and he plays just this this upstanding man, you know, like with his woman at the party. And then he freaks out on Daniel Kaluuya and it's, it's fantastic. Um, we saw him play a detective or police officer in knives out Yeah, and well, well grounded and picking up the pieces and, and trying to direct the case and really wonderful. He's in a, a rom-com coming up this year in 2020. Uh, I forget. I saw the trailer for it and I was like, yeah, it was before on cut gems. Yeah. And I was a little taken back by it. I was like, what? And then as the trailer put out, I was like, wow, this is really impressive seeing Lakeith in this kind of role too. So that's, that's what really got me for him. Um, he, he plays this, like this street salesman, the street dealer. He probably has uh, like 30 jobs like this. So he is, he's uh, Adam Sandler's foot footman, if you will. He takes jewels and he gets people to come to his, his store and purchase them there. And then he gets a commission off of them. And I can only imagine that he's doing this all over town. He's conniving, but honest at times. Uh, He's good natured, but also deceptive it was very it was a very complex character that i couldn't put my finger on and that's what i kind of liked about it i wanted more out of that in fact this whole movie i wish that there was a prequel to this like in the future because uh, we we got to see adam sandler 
at this point in his life where everything was so chaotic, but he also has a family. He also has all these connections and all these good friends. I'd like to see a prequel where we get to see all that set up and when his life was going good. And maybe, you know, obviously there has to be some sort of conflict and then seeing the beginning of this movie happen. Sure. That's that's in my book on for the Safdie brothers coming up, please. But Lakeith Sanfield, well done. Uh, incredible to see him put on this new mask. Yeah, he's he's a cool character. He's a guy. He just He's kind of like... There are different ki- t- kinds of millennials, I think. Mm-hmm. Whenever like people always talk about millennials are super entitled and they don't like to work and all those things. Like I think that that, that stereotype is in some ways true for there those people exist. I'll say that. They do. Those people exist. And then there's another type who is like so addicted to getting what they feel they're entitled to that they stop at nothing. And this is that guy. You know, he grinds. He's He's got all these friends and big, that are big deal, you know, the weekend, Kevin Garnett, you know, basketball players, movie stars, but all by his own effort. You know, he goes out and finds these people and he makes them you know, he makes himself part of their life. Yeah. And he, so he's I think the, he's the millennial hustler. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I liked. I I like that because that's a relevant archetype. Yeah. And, and someone who exists and we see and uh this movie was kind of all about that like chasing that big win you know chasing that high on status materialism something some things that are very very relevant today um and he was a good foil to adam sandler's yeah adam sandler has that great line in this movie you know this is how i win Mm -hmm. you know that's me this is how i win that that's the big line you've got a great adam sandler (laughs) accent by the way thanks man (laughs) um and that's really what this is all about. Everybody's chasing that high. You know, they want the win. They yes. want to win. And you don't have to be a professional basketball player to win. Right. You don't have to be a jewel dealer to win. You can be Lakeith Sandfield. Yeah, you don't have to make win on millions. You can win on hundreds or a small a small a couple of thousands and that's what he's doing as he's hustling. Yeah. You're right. It's a it's a cool character. I I totally dig it. I'm going with Kevin Garnett. Love it. I have to I, first acting performance I love kg i do he he was a guy i loved to hate whenever he played against my teams but this guy is just he's commanding and that just oozed over right into the screen i think that i was shocked with how comfortable he appeared he's playing himself which i think is harder than a lot of people realize because when you're acting you're not just having a conversation there's cameras pointed at you there's people saying action you know there's different marks you have to hit there's different things you're working so it's not a conversation so when you play yourself it's not just like oh super easy i'm playing myself um and for a first time actor i was blown away Mm -hmm. i thought he just really commanded the screen i thought when he was on he was believable i mean it was it was kg it was kg (laughs) and, and he was having these interactions that were scripted but when when i felt like i could feel adam sandler taking him on a journey through improv and kind of like pulling away he was right there with him you know he was just walking following his lead and that's what being a good supporting character it's not always about you know this category is called scene stealer it's Mm -hmm. not always about stealing the scene Mm -hmm. being a good supporting character can be taking what the other person's laying down and like i said adam sandler's in control this whole time he drives every scene he's not in the back seat for any of these scenes Mm -mm. but Kevin Garnett did a really good job of following his lead and making it feel really real and authentic, some really good interactions while he was on screen. And just added benefit, this guy's not a trained actor, period. 
So I give him the benefit of the doubt there, and I think that he deserves it. If you would have told me that Kevin Garnett was a was if if I didn't know going into this film that yeah. Kevin Garnett was a basketball player, right? I would have thought, Mike, where'd they find this guy? <laughs> yeah, he's so tall. Of course, he would play a basketball player. Look at him, like like so. There are lots of celebrities that cross over in, into entertainment and film because of investments and because they're already in the public eye. Why not be in a movie? Sure. They have yeah. the connections to. He was so good. Like th- it was between Lakeith, Kevin Garnett, Adina, and uh, I think it, her name's Julia, who Julia plays Fox, yeah. Julia Fox, the, the girlfriend in the film. And Kevin Garnett, in every scene, I was just my eyes fixated on him. The moment that Adam Sandler left the picture, which was far and few times between, but it was very easy to follow him and just fall in love with him. Yeah. Um, I want to see Kevin Garnett play an actual role uh, where he's not pretending to be himself because he did so well playing himself. I bet he could do wonders with with any kind of character role too so mm-hmm. i hope that's on his on his docket to do it is he still an active nba player no he's not he's recently retired perfect yeah perfect i want to he i want to see him just explode maybe like, he'll be in space jam too oh my gosh he needs to be i would love to have him in space jam too lebron can act too he can he's yeah. he's legit lebron can legit yeah. act so that'd be cool i'm all i'm all for kevin garnett yeah kg that's my dude um all right let's jump into showstopper Mm-hmm. What's your selection here, Kirk? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with some misdirection right at the beginning oh, of this film. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I love broken expectations. It's it's my favorite thing um, when you surprise me because I, I just watch and watch and consume film and TV. So the beginning of this film, you know, the opening um, production companies play A24 and all of a sudden we're hit with... Um, what what's the what's the the city what's the the country oh it's in ethiopia ethiopia yeah yeah. so we're we're in ethiopia i fully expected shot one to be adam sandler in his jewelry shop no we don't even see adam sandler for 10 full minutes yeah can i ask you a question about that yeah did you think you were in the wrong movie 100 percent. i did I, i i checked my i'm not lying i pulled my phone out i was like am i in the right auditorium what is yes. going on here which i thought was brilliant and i hope I, I just imagine like if, if the Safety brothers could have had a camera in every theater around the country, there were just dozens and hundreds uh, of people like, what, what's going on here? Like, where's Adam Sandler? Because even the, the look of the, the opening, the opening sequence of this film didn't look what, what like, didn't look like what we had seen in the trailers for this film. So we get this, this history of, of where this, the core, um, in a way, uh, mulligan for the, for this film is, and you're just sucked in at the same time after you've realized that you are in the right theater. Yeah. Uh, so that misdirection I thought was brilliant. It was a very critical piece of the plot. I don't want to get too deep into it uh, for those who haven't seen it, but it, it, it's really a wonder to watch when you start this film. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that that was interesting. Um, couldn't decide if I liked it or not. I know, I know you like broken expectations. Not sure if that's my deal. Um, I couldn't decide if it was out of place or if it felt right. Um, but I, I totally see the appeal cause I know, I know that's one of your things and it, and it was deceptive. Yes. Which is, we you know that's one way to get somebody's attention and it works. Um, my showstopper is the pacing is maybe a little bit too diluted of a term to use for it, but it's the, the rhythm of this movie Mm -hmm. because this movie is nonstop. They're going, 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 and he's having all these different interactions and he, 
the one interaction hasn't even fully ended before the next one begins and they're totally different topics. And I can only imagine how difficult that is to orchestrate whenever you're directing, you know, he's walking through the city streets, the camera's following him right, right behind him. He's having all, he's texting one person and talking to another person. This was, this is how some people live their lives. This is chaos. And this was a person who was in too deep, way over his head. And it was real and it was stressful. Gosh, was it stressful? I mean, you, this was not a comfortable viewing experience. I was not comfortable at any point during this movie. It was, this was entertaining in a way that I've never been entertained before. This was, uh, looking at something because you can't look away, Mm -hmm. you know, not because you want to see what happens next, but because you, you're so captivated by what's happening right now. Uh You're just like, what is what in the world? And that's something that I think is difficult to achieve to keep somebody's attention. You know, when you're stressing them out, freaking them out, this whole movie was just, there was so much tension. I could feel it. My heart rate was just pounding the whole time. (laughs) And, uh, I think that takes an exceptional amount of skill. I'm chalking that all up to the Safdie brothers vision for this movie and the way that they, you know, worked with editor editors to cut it and make it look that way. Um, the way they made it flow, people are screaming at each other constantly, but it has a very rhythmic, Mm -hmm. um, pace to it. So that's, that's my showstopper. Is this the film that you saw where someone ran out of the theater? Sprinted. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> a woman sprinted out of the theater only because I can imagine that she just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> can you tell me without giving anything away, was it like the first, second or third act of this film? When it she... was the third act. Okay. She did not like where things were headed. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. She was so disoriented that she ran to the door that leads you outside. Yeah. And then was like, nope, that's not where I want to be. Get me out of here. <laughs> Um, I felt, I felt bad for her, but I knew, I knew why, cause she was sitting close to me and she was squirming the whole time. And I knew that she just couldn't take it much more. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I get that. That's, <laughs> I do get that. We should create a, a, a quick like segment or award similar to like zombie land kill of the week where it's like, um, uh, other, yeah. other, other audience member <laughs> theater interaction of the week or something yes. like that. Yeah. It's, uh, I felt for her. I did. It's, um, it's a really anxious movie. It just really is. It's big ball of stress. It is. It is for sure. So, um, yeah, that was, that was in my theater and I, I can see where that comes from for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into director's shoes. What's something you would have changed about this movie? I think that I would have spent a little less time on the relationship with the girlfriend I just thought there were a few unnecessary lengthy scenes and I thought it could have tightened this film up quite a bit. I th- she Julia Fox plays a, a, a big role, big role in she this does. film as a supporting character. And I think they could have, I, again, tightened those up. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm into Quentin Tarantino's long lengthy expositions uh, because he's got a way of doing it. You know, on the Golden Globes, he was just rambling and you couldn't look away. You're like, what's going to happen here. But on these ones, I was like, eh, okay, what's next? You know? <laughs> so I, I think that they could have, they could have done without a few scenes with the girlfriend, uh, sped them up. Um, uh, one of those two items. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, um, and I'll get your opinion on this too. I didn't think Julia Fox was consistently good in this movie. 
Yeah, it was almost like she was playing two different characters. So I wonder if it was the in, in from what from what I saw, and I wonder if if they weren't sure where she landed because, she, and in times, I and this goes to the makeup artist. I thought I was looking at like two or three different women, <laughs> like he had multiple girlfriends, and then I and then I was like, oh wait, the name, oh it's the same girl. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and I mean. I'll disagree in the sense that I think I know why those scenes are there because they have to, in order to advance the plot, they have to show why their connection is so unbreakable and tight. I got you. But I don't think she was great in every scene, which I think leads to what you're saying about, you know, I agree with you that not all of her scenes were great. Mm-hmm. I, I think they felt, maybe they felt unnecessary to you because they weren't great. Maybe you just, didn't need all that or they um, felt forced at times which could have been yeah, sure. her, her fault sure sure right because the the scene just didn't have like uh, a gravitas to it it just yeah was like all right what's next so. yep yeah yeah I, I i totally understand that take my director's shoes is i think this movie has a bit of an identity crisis i think this movie at times and maybe because the writing process was over 10 years they had a lot of time to think about it um it couldn't decide if it wanted to be a nice, simple story portrait pick of a guy who's in over his head mm-hmm. or if it wanted to be deeper than that. If it wanted to be about if it wanted to be a social commentary about our, you know, obsession with success and winning and winning at all costs and screwing people over and all of these things and wanting to hit it big, I like it better simple. I like it better as, hey, here's a story. This is a real, this is a, this person exists. This is a real person who, you know, he could, he could be in New York actually. You know, this could be a real person, someone who's in way over their head. They've gambled a bunch of money. They've lived a high stakes life. I like it better like that. Nice and simple. And this movie is that a lot of the time, but there are other times where they lead you down the other path of like, oh, look how deep this is. And those moments to me, felt a little out of place. Mm-hmm. So I get why you want to go there. And and the Safdie brothers are, you know, artists, which when you have artists that are as bold as those guys, you know, you're never going to agree with every decision. I think this movie works way better if it's just straight line. This is a snapshot in time of a fictional person, but somebody who very much exists in our world. Here it is, you know, lay it out there. Um, I don't know. That's that's basically my take on this movie. I think that's that's a great understanding of this film. Uh, you're right. With ten years to write it, there's gonna be a little bit of, if you're not careful, a little bit of struggle yep. of of direction uh, with, with the screenwriting. Um, I think the only person people who have done that successfully have written for that long and kept it focused. Uh, would be Lin Manuel Miranda with his musicals, <laughs> yeah, and sure. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a tough undertaking, and I I still think they did a magnificent job. Um, not perfect, but good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's on that note, let's do final thoughts and then score it. Oh, this movie has a big, big, big ball of stress. Uh, the composition of each shot mirrors that. So the the anxiety that you feel is attached to each scene 
it's not just with the music. It's not just with one character. Everyone plays a part in in the chaos that you see, whether it's Adam Sandler, who is the instigator of chaos, or his family, who are complacent with it and appease his behavior or have appeased it too long, and they're, they're finally reaching their breaking point. It's a, it's a very interesting study. One thing that I loved uh, about his kids, where I felt like they were all in different stages of that appeasement, uh, like we had the youngest, uh, the youngest child, uh, was just like wanting to play we had the innocence we had the middle child who was like trying to imitate adam sandler and like likes to play bet bet on games at at school and like i'm betting like ten dollars right now daddy and then the older daughter who was like so done with him like she's she's old enough she can see everything so i loved how everything just infiltrated this story so well uh from the top to the bottom um and you had yourself screaming at the screen like why are you letting him do that? Just stop talking to him, cut him off, call the police, like whatever yeah. you might. Cause I know there's a lot of people that was polarizing for this film. I was not one of them. I was a big fan and I am going to go with a 9.0 on this film. All right. Good score. Good score. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not quite as high on this movie, but I do think it's an, I do think it's a great movie. I think that, this movie is not for everybody. I can't stress that enough. I think that, you know, whenever I saw, you know, whenever I talked to people about it, I actually had a really good discussion with um, our friends Mel and mm-hmm. Kelsey about this movie, neither of whom actually liked it. I got to talk to Mel in person. I only got to talk to Kelsey via Facebook, but um, totally hear why they don't like it. And I, and I had a bit of a self-awareness moment after this movie where I was like, did I really enjoy myself watching that? No, like, but where I'm at is that it checks almost every box structurally. It's very sound, you know, and what they were, the effect that they're trying to generate, it's effective. You know, you can't, like I said, you can't look away. It's entertaining. It's yeah. it's a different type of entertainment. And I, I give them a few ticks up for that, for being a different type of entertainment, for being something that's, you know, altogether different. It's very original. I love how original it is. I can't get enough of that. That, that, that alone is a breath of fresh air. Um, but you know, will I watch it again? Certainly not. No chance. <laughs> no, no. And I, and I can't even, I have to admit, like whenever I left the theater, I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, ouch, what was that? Um, and so for me, this movie, uh, I'm waffling still I'm waffling. Uh, <laughs> while you think, um, and hopefully this doesn't sway your score cause you, no. you can, you can keep it low if you want. I also thought like every time I go see a movie, um, movie is like edu- movies are like education to me, uh, especially that's what makes me so happy with based on a true story and uh, historical depictions. I love seeing the movies that can teach me something. And I think there should be some of that in every movie, even the wildest of comedies. Uh, just like it doesn't have to be like a poignant moment. It can just be sprinkled in there for fun. And I think what this movie was, they they exploded everything to the nth degree. And but when you boil it down, when you're like, I'm never I've never never done anything like adam sandler i've i'll never be like that not adam sandler but his character rather um but then can you really say that can you really say i've never been addicted to some to something like when you take that all the way back down you're like oh man 
yeah, maybe I have been like yeah. addicted to like playing on my phone too much when I, when I get home from work or I know my wife's told me to stop that. I need, I need to just put it down and like be present. You know, there's so many little things like that. Sure. That's, that's what got me on this movie with, uh, w- with the theme of it. Like it's so explosive, but when you boil down each of their themes, you can really have a nice, a nice little takeaway and nugget of education for your life. So, yeah, I, I like that. That's a good, that's a really good perspective on the film. I'm an eight, four. I'm an eight four. Love it. I was back and forth on it. Um, not between like some big giant gap and it was like eight, seven and eight, four is kind of where I was at. I think I'm an eight, four. Um, I think it's a great movie. I, I think where it loses, where it loses a little bit of points, it's like not going to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) And I, and I don't think, you know, my director shoots well factors into that, but yeah, it's an eight, four. It's good. Go check it out. If you're a fan of the avant-garde, if you're a fan of stuff, that's a little more artsy, if you're a fan of any of the previous Safdie Brothers films, this is for you. Um, if you're not, it's not. And I'll leave it at that. So uh, <laughs> You might be the woman running out of the theater. You might be. You, you very well could be. You know, could, that could be anybody. I hope she's okay. <laughs> I think she's okay. You know, she, she got out of there. So Yeah. Yeah, she, she did. She's, <laughs> I hope she's all right, but I, I think she is. Uh, if you're listening, we see you. We and do. we're here for you. What if she's one of our listeners? I hope she is. She's going to be like, you liked that, you know, um, we need someone to like come in as a guest, a guest that absolutely hates one of these movies. And yeah. says, Are you kidding me? And just... I know. I know we do. We need, we need to have a little bit more of that flavor. Um, let's move into something that, you know, I don't know. I feel like I need to do some mouthwash or something before we go to the next movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just, let's jump into little women, Kirk. <laughs> this is, uh, such a weird combo of movies to be reviewing. That's why it's so funny. But, um let's do it i guess it's my turn lay it on us okay tweet synopsis here we go greta gerwig reimagines the timeless tale of the march sisters as a non-linear ode to louisa may alcott that's it (laughs) short and sweet i love them real concise tonight kirk i love it it's it's uh it's brilliant thank you mine is not this one is longer Uh, i don't know why i don't know if it's good or not let's see little women follows the lives of four lovely sisters on their journey to adulthood. However, each of them have their own definition of what an adult woman should be. As the girls break the norms and mores of traditional societal structure, we witness their growth as a family as well, and all the joys and tragedies that come with it. Find out <laughs> no, how what? in Little Women. I can't even keep a straight yeah, voice. Yeah, what's the find out? Find out in Little Women. Did somebody... Yeah, I think you've been paid. Oh man, I could like feel you. You, you. I felt I like was, you knew it was I coming. Knew, I did, I did. I knew that the punchline was coming. <laughs> you always got some sort of weird trick in your tweet synopsis. Keeps me on my toes. And also, that's like way more than two hundred eighty characters. It is. So it is. Um, that's okay. Well, it's actually not okay because I have to tweet this out later. So I might just have to truncate it. Just <laughs> mid sentence. You know, Don't you your, must. That'll be your punishment. Um, okay, so this is Little Women. If you, uh, you know, there is a very good chance, a very, very good chance that at some point in your life, you've either read this book or seen one of the film adaptations. There was one in, what was it? 1997, 1994, something like that, mm-hmm. that came out Winona Ryder, Kirsten Dunst, Christian Bale, Claire Danes, Claire Danes, another star studded cast. And then we get a rehashing here in 2019. Um, what will what I want to lay out here because it is first of all 
this isn't going to be completely spoiler free. I don't know that we can really do that. This is an American classic. It's a book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about it there all, yeah. all the way through. Uh, so if you're really concerned about learning what happens, I apologize. I, I feel like we have to talk about everything in here. If you're itching, you're on like chapter three of Little Women, <laughs> the actual novel. Just, you know, close close your app and open your book, finish it, and then come back, come back and play the rest yeah. of this. Absolutely. So what's what's really different about this retelling and what you should know going into it is that it's nonlinear. I said so in my tweet synopsis, meaning that we get time jumps. We start at the end of the book and we kind of jump back and jump around. And um, that was Greta Gerwig's take. And we also get um, some little nuggets from Louisa May Alcott's life, you know, which is, which is really interesting. Saoirse Ronan, who plays Joe March, also plays Louisa May Alcott. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of cool because that, you know, that she based it on her own life experiences. So that character is her in many ways, but in other ways isn't And this movie sort of explores that. So, um, that was Greta Gerwig's take. And now we'll, uh, we'll dive in with, and the Oscar goes to my selection is Saoirse Ronan. She plays Joe March, who is sort of the main protagonist. I think in little women, you know, she's sort of the, you know, the really ambitious writer, female character, the female lead, um, and her ambitions just know no bounds. You know, she's trapped within the confines of society and her dreams and what she wants to do is so much bigger than that. You know, she wants to have purpose and man, this just felt so real with Saoirse. And she's, she's an incredibly gifted actress. Um, but what's funny is we alluded to it earlier, but, um, Saoirse Ronan, when she got wind that Greta Gerwig was doing this movie, she shot her a note and said, I, I would like to be Joe or probably something more direct than that. Right. I will play Joe. I'm, I'm Joe. <laughs> I'm Joe. <laughs> and Greta Gerwig was like, well, we just did this other movie together. I don't know. And then she was like, you know what? That's exactly what Joe would do. And so kind of the great start for this character and why it was such a great fit. Sersha. I, I don't even know where to start with her, man. She, she's incredibly gifted. We're very, very fortunate to have an actor of this caliber um, who's this young that we'll get to have with us for a while. She is the next Meryl Streep. She's incredible. She's given us some amazing performances. I think she'll continue to do so. I just got chills when you said she's the next Meryl Streep. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that she is. And and her performance as Joe is excellent. Every scene, she's consistent. She's money. She conveys emotion in such a realistic way. I think that's that was what was so cool about Lady Bird. That's another coming-of-age movie. But even Brooklyn... Um, every every movie her face just feels you know it just it sh- it conveys emotion in a way that is just so unbelievably real it's not just like so emma watson is one who's who's good at kind of like smile crying <laughs> she has like that's her that's her trick mm-hmm. and it's very good and it's like very real every emotion that sir sharonin conveys is very real mm-hmm. and it's it's really impressive um, and Joe is a complicated character. Sersha nailed every nuance. Nothing else to say on her. Beautiful. I also picked Sersha. Yeah. Good because choice. how can you not? I, I, I feel similarly. She is a force on screen. Um, she was in Atonement, probably way too young to be in that movie, but I mean, she was. And also The Lovely Bones, um, Brooklyn, 
Lady Bird, this a hundred, a hundred other film, film credits. She's, she's such a force. Her magnitude on screen, like you talked about, is nearly unmatched. Um, when you find someone like Search on screen, it, it's so, it seems so effortless and so natural that you know that she is working at, at a pace that people can't even fathom and, and, and try to be at because people with the, that level of comfortability on screen, like Meryl Streep, I also wrote down in my notes here, um, Leo DiCaprio, uh, Amy Adams, Michael Caine, these people, when they enter the world of this film and, and story, they all, they automatically are part of it. They're not trying to be a part of it. They look around and they just belong in the picture. And, and again, the composition of the film. So, I also picked her, and every moment on screen is just a joy to watch. Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. Um, let's move into Scene Stealer. Tons of, tons of great performances to choose from. Um, I landed on F- young Florence Pugh. You did. She's uh, she's an up-and-comer. She was in Midsummer. She's going to be in the new Black Widow movie. Um, she plays Amy March, who Amy March is perhaps the most interesting character in Little Women because um, – She's the most, I guess, because I'm not creative, hated, hated character. <laughs> and she's, she's the spoiled brat. You know, that's kind of like the book on her. Everybody who feels passionately about this book, you know, there are tons of people who feel passionately about this book, but um, most of them have issues with Amy March because she's spoiled. You know, she's, she's a brat. She gets everything she wants. This movie and Florence Pugh gave Greta Gerwig the flexibility to paint Amy March in a totally different light. You know, to paint her in a light where she's very much understood. She, like Joe, you know, who she, so Amy is the youngest and Joe is her hero. You know, Joe is so ambitious and Joe doesn't give a crap about what anyone says. Amy is an interesting foil to Joe in a lot of ways. She shares the ambition she wants to win, but she's going to try to do it within the confines of society. You know, she's going to try to marry rich. She's going to try to, you know, when, you know, when their aunt offers her the chance to go to Europe, she's going, you know, she's, she wants to do all these big things. She's got big plans, but she understands and recognizes that to do that, you know, there are societal limits to what she can do. So I thought that painting Amy March in that light was totally, totally different and really a cool way to do it. And it's a way where you don't have to have a character that's getting put down. And Florence Pugh just was so effortless. You know, she still nailed the comedic bits, which I think are are huge portion of the Amy March character, you know, to kind of be like, have those funny like tantrums and do the things that she does. You know, she still was awesome in those moments and in anything high energy she delivered. But when it's time to get serious, when it's time to get real, when she's talking to Timothy Chalamet about marriage is an economic proposition, she pulls you in and doesn't let go and just punches you. Like just, mm-hmm. it was just forceful. When that scene was over, I was like, Whew. wind was knocked out of me. I was like, great, great job, Florence. I was, very impressed. Can't wait to see what else we get from from Florence Pugh. I thought that she was the perfect casting choice and a great, great Amy March. She was. She was, which is why I chose her as mine. <laughs> <laughs> those were those were easy though, right? Yeah. I think like even you know we talk about the movies having um, great supporting cast, and I know that you and I do have somewhat similar views for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think those two 
the vast majority of people are going to are going to notice those those performances and be like, yes. Let me tell you about Florence Pugh briefly, and then I want to ask you about another supporting character and get your opinion on that, yeah. that person. Uh, Florence Pugh, I saw her first in a little Netflix film with none other than Chris Pine, since we're on the topic, called Outlaw King. And this, this if you have not seen that, take some time, watch this film. It takes place after the events of Braveheart, and it's kind of like the the rebuilding of of what has happened, and the the war is is still going on. It's a new battle, and Florence Pugh plays this this wonderful, um, just 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 go watch it. Okay, <laughs> so got it. So seeing her seeing her in this light was so different from being in like medieval times. Uh, so that's the, that's my my impression of her, and I came to see her in this and. When we have this nonlinear time frame, all of her jumps, she has the perfect direction in each different level. How old she is, every scene she went into, she had like a mark. She's like, great, I'm nine in this, let's go. I'm I'm 20 in this, let's go. And everything in between. I thought that was brilliant. And every time you came on, it, it served as helping the viewer understand where we were in time. And that's difficult to do because you have to think of how this person would behave and interact with her own, with the same uh, three other sisters and mother that, that in this time frame. So I just thought that she just she killed it. I loved her in yep. every every aspect that she p- portrayed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So my question to you, I've, I have to know um, how. What is your what is your opinion of Mr. Timothy Chalamet? Chalamet. Shamalama. Um, Can't say his name right. In this movie. Yes. Yeah, I loved him. Okay. I thought he was great. I thought, um, I think he was a more modern Laurie mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like he was more, I think he was a different version of that character, but I dug it. Okay. I think because this was, they were kind of trying to hit, hit home on some more modern themes in this, which I thought, yes, that's mm-hmm. why you do a retelling. And I thought that he was very, very good. Okay. I did not like him. You didn't like him in this movie? I did not. Oh, my. I just felt like he wasn't... I don't think Timothy has the um, has that... I think he got swallowed up in the other talent that was happening. Interesting. Because he doesn't have as big of a presence as Saoirse, as, uh, as Florence, as Laura Dern, uh, as any of the other uh, main cast. So when I saw him come on the screen, I was like, okay, that makes sense. He uh, looks just like Christian Bale did when they did this back in the 90s. Yeah. Same hair, same, almost the same body frame. I think Christian Bale's a little taller than him. But what I didn't get was a, was a grounding of... In a way, you thought that he was like going after every one of the sisters, and maybe that was on purpose. I didn't. I felt that he wasn't uh, necessarily a staple of the family; that he was just kind of there. I didn't feel that he really brought them all together in the way that they were trying to get to, and I think that's his fault. In fact, there's a moment in the film. This has nothing to do with that, but where he sits on a chair. And he throws his legs, his tiny little legs, which I have tiny legs too, but he throws his tiny little legs over the side of an armchair and he just dangles and he looks like a little puppet that you would that you would play with on, on Christmas Day. So that's just another judgment of him that I don't like. What what's wrong with that? He did you do you remember this part in the movie? Yeah, I don't have any problem with oh, that. Oh, he part. just he just looks so uh, it's so childlike and they're supposed to be in <laughs> they're already supposed to be mature and in there and in you're skinny, supposed to be in his you're 20s. skinny shaming timothy i Shaw. am skinny shaming him stop being so freaking skinny timothy <laughs> um well that's I, why i didn't like his i performance. disagree i thought he was good i thought that um 
I thought that in the scenes where I thought that the scenes where he was with Joe were the best. I thought that the times where he was with Amy were still good, but it was he was a more conflicted character, so it was kind of hard to get a feel on like where he's at. But mm-hmm. I thought that that was intentional. But that's okay. We can disagree on that. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. That um, you know, I, as always, I hope I hope the best in, in everyone's performance. Yeah. I hope he does better, and that I can be turned around. Sure. Yeah, I haven't liked him in everything, but I liked him in this mm-hmm. for sure. Um, let's jump in the showstopper. Let's do it. This is tough. I'm gonna go. I have two listed here, and I'm having a hard time choosing. But what I'm going to go with is <clears throat> what Greta Gerwig had to say. What she had to say in this movie. Because I've said it 5,000 times on this podcast. If you're going to do a remake, if you're going to rehash a story that we know, you better have something to say. Tell me something new. I need to, I need to hear it. And Greta had lots to say. First of all, her whole – the Amy March thing that I talked about earlier – What's so cool about this is that I have two older sisters. I, I adore them with everything. And I've seen them, you know, go through tons of friends throughout the course of their life, through junior high, high school, college, etc. Some Some friends stay, some friends, you know, they grow apart, etc. But what I've witnessed, and I don't want to make any sort of sweeping generalization about women on the, on the whole or anything like that, but they're... I've seen some real callousness among, you know, their friends, people turning on each other. And I've seen this with, you know, me, me and Jackie went to high school together. You know, I've seen people turn on each other and, and, and women turn on each other and to eventually say that woman is lesser than me. It's time to put her down so that I can feel better. And it's like the mean girls burn book. Yeah, you know, it's mean girls are a real thing. Yes. I think they are, and I don't. I don't. Again, not trying to make any sort of generalization. That's mm-hmm. just what I've seen in my experience. And what I like about this is that this book, this movie, sorry, this movie tells a story in a perspective where none of these women are bad or put down or painted in a light where you need to feel like they're the bad person. They're all. You get good enough perspective to where you can understand all of them and feel for all of them. Now, you'll relate to them differently, mm-hmm. certainly. But I don't like, I don't want to live in a world where Amy March is the bad guy just because she makes different choices. You know, I don't want to live in a world where, you know, um, was it Meg? Meg March? Is that, is that, uh, Emma? Emma, mm-hmm. Emma Watson's character, where she's the, you know, sellout because she fell in love and wants to be a mother. You know, that's a, that's a choice. And Greta Gerwig didn't put any of those women down because she realizes that a rising tide lifts all boats mm-hmm. and that um, gender equality can only be achieved when we work together and, and that, you know, men don't put women down and women don't put each other down. And that's very important. And that is the message that I'm fully behind. I, you know, win through positivity. Don't win by, you know, t- taking somebody else and putting them down. And so I was glad that Amy March wasn't in that position. I was glad that she wasn't put down. Um, I was also just really in favor of the whole, like, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but just the way that she brought modern themes into this, you know, I I thought the, the marriage speech that Amy March gave was good. I thought Joe just being someone who's so ambitious, but still wants to be loved, you know, her, her, her bit where she's like, 
You know, I want I I want to write and I want to be an author and I want to do all these things, but I'm so lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so lonely. She's just a victim of circumstance because she couldn't have both in her time, and and I think that that was a message that you find that sometimes still, you know? And so I, I don't know. I thought that all the things she did thematically and of course her bringing Louisa May Alcott's story into it. I love how, um, I'm, I'm going on forever on this, but like her going to the guy, Tracy Letts's character and saying, like, so good. He's like, you have to marry her off. You know, she can't be an old spinster. <laughs> he says, uh, you have to marry her off or she needs to die. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, which I is it, terrible, but in the, t- in the context of the times, it's, a hilarious joke now yeah yeah absolutely and louisa may alcott was a spinster so that was you know greta gerwig went out of her way to make sure her story was told and that little women is her story in some sense but in other ways it isn't and that she's a hero whether she's married or not and and that was great i i really thought it was consistent and and very good so that's my showstopper great those millions of things i love Mine is like a sidestep away from yours and it kind of merges into yours. So it's not entirely the same, but um, the texture of this movie, um, f- literally and figuratively, we see um, because of this this kind of meta thing going on with um, with Saoirse being Alcott plus Joe, th- the texture of the books, they actually show when they finally show the title sequence where it says Little Women, it's the book. It's the actual book right. of Little Women, and it's so perfectly placed when they put that on the screen. Um, and I just wanted more of that. They had three of those, three of those shots throughout of these of these perfect textures, like in your face. I could watch a whole a whole film just with those textures in front of me because, however, they captured that. It's like the ASMR. Camera. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, and then we, we we can go to the texture of each of their relationships and how they interacted with one another and and how how no one was being put down and everyone was their own person and that was okay. Um, we we had someone who was innocent, you know, Beth, this this innocence and like, well, I just want to be here and be with my sisters because I love you all and I, there's not much more that I that I want. And you have Joe, this this ambitious character, and Meg who wants to be the mother and Amy who wants all of it, you know, yeah, uh, and she wants to get there as fast as possible in a certain way. I thought the texture of that of their relationships was was so palpable, and the texture of their clothing it, it, all the way down to that. Uh, really expressed and, and told the story as well. So if you watch their clothing and how their colors uh, at some points represent themselves, like they ha- all have they all have kind of individual colors, whether it's a, a green or a purple or a yellow or a muted red. And then throughout the movie at different times, it, those colors kind of mix each other because A, they're sisters and sisters share clothes. That's very apparent. Yep. And that you could see that like, oh wait, I've seen that garment before and now it's on this sister. And and of course, seeing how where their relationship was at that point in the movie. So I thought that was really neat, really well done uh, on everyone in the creative process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like that too. I also have to say, I know that I'm not allowed to do two showstoppers, but since, since you didn't pick it, I am going to go in on the other one. Um, the timeline was great. I love the nonlinear storytelling. I didn't at any point feel lost. And it's because Greta Gerwig sneaks things in there to make you know where you're at. So one thing I'm ta- thinking about in general is Joe is heading home because she's gotten word that Beth is sick. This is in the future. We haven't seen the before part. She walks by a store. You see the name of the store. You're not paying attention to it, but you see it and it's there. Then the time jumps, but you, you wouldn't quite know exactly if it did jumps back in time. But the three girls are walking the opposite direction on the same street and they go past the same store. 
It's unspoken. It's unsaid. But that is Greta Gerwig saying, hey, we've moved to a different time. We're in the past now. Here's how you know. Stuff like that. Brilliant. And it's throughout. I mean, if you watch for it, every time the time jumps, there are little indicators that tell you here's where you're at and it's okay. <laughs> you know, I know this is a nonlinear story. But it'll make you feel comfortable. Come with me. Yeah. And, and just the times that she chose to jump back brilliant you know she chose the exact right moment i don't know if there's such a thing as like a little women historian but greta gerwig's got to be like she loves this thing mm-hmm. she she loves little women she's clearly an expert on the material and uh i i i dug it i really did um let's go to director's shoes my director's shoes it's simple in nature i didn't have any big giant ones i wanted more beth I didn't feel absolutely, and I love Eliza Scanlon. She's she's new on the scene. She was in Sharp Objects on HBO mm-hmm. with Amy Adams. She plays a character called Emma, who is a very 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 complex character. And man, she was effortlessly nailing it throughout that show. Highly recommend if you haven't seen Sharp Objects yet. Um, didn't feel like she was featured enough in this movie. Didn't feel like. And I know that Joe and and uh, Beth have a very close relationship. You know, as as Beth does really with all the all of the girls, but Joe and Beth's relationship is special, and I knew that going in, but I didn't feel it in this movie as much. Could have used more of that, and that's that's really it's that simple. That's wonderful. Um, I'm I have I have something to tell you, Cameron. Okay. <laughs> I did not like the time jumps as oh, much okay. as you did. Fair, fair. <laughs> I. I definitely was all for it, and I loved the the direction of, le- of left to right on the screen. That was perfect. Um, but there were times when I f- was a little lost of because sometimes the ages are close together in their sure. time jumps, or at least I felt that way. And I felt that I was a little like lost, like wait, wait, where does this piece in together? And I've also not read the book, so that's my fault, you know. It's, you should read the book. Uh, I sh- I've I sh- not read the book. I should have read this book. I don't read. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do read. We didn't have to read it in school. So many people had to read exactly. it in school. Exactly. So, you know what? On vacation next week, we're going to read it on the plane. Just uh, like that. I don't you know? want to commit to that. <laughs> I, I'm, there's no way I'm reading. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I thought that I wanted a little bit more. A lot of the times I, I like less is more. I wanted a little bit more direction for me to say, all right, this is the age. And that's why I liked Florence so much because she was playing to the ages that they should have been. And so I yeah. used her as my compass, but I thought I needed that uh, personally. Um, and then I'll also say the, the Beth thing. Yeah, give us more Beth. I remember the, the musical Little Women, because it's a musical too, of course. There's this incredible duet that Joe and Beth seeing. Like Beth's on a swing and Joe is pushing her. And on stage, that's like really cool. Like just a single yeah. swing and nothing else there. And they sing this beautiful duet. And it's like, I never heard the duet between them in this film. And I was like, ah, I wish that she, I wish her death would have come, have come later in the film, actually, that they could have had more time to build that up because they were trying to get all the sisters' storylines in. So yep. I'm with you there. Yeah. Good takes. Good takes all around. Um, that brings us to final thoughts and, and scores. We flew through this one. Um, and I'll tell you why I flew through it because I really think that it, it checks every box. I, I had a hard time coming up with director shoes. I'll be honest with you. I think that it's very good. I, I mean, as far as retellings go, would I always prefer something original to a retelling? Absolutely. But if you're going to do it, 
have something to say. Greta Gerwig, as I detailed earlier, had something to say. I thought that it was good. I thought that it was well thought out and intentional and important. So I'm giving this movie 9.6 wow, wow. out of 10. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. It's a, a lovely lot. score. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a beautiful depiction of this, of this classic tale that we haven't read. And uh, I think it can be quite the encouraging story for for young ladies and of any age that you can you can be who you want to be and be on your own path and there's nothing wrong with that and you know the so much uh, of our lives right now are about re-injecting kindness into the world and we don't really have that so if everyone can do their part to be more kind i think that we could have a more um, a better better communication with each other and better understanding of, of other people's individual wants, desires, and ambitions. So all that, I thought it was a, it was a great film. The, the time jumping and the Beth story really laid into my score right here, but still, great film. I'm going to go 8.0. Okay, good score. Um, love what you said there about the kindness thing. I You know, when I think about, um, you know, we were talking about like marketing stuff for our podcast. And I was talking about how we don't really have a mission statement or anything like that. But if we can provide that at some point, you know, if we can go every episode without getting like literally angry and mean to one another, I think that works. Yeah. You know, I think kindness is good. I want kindness in everything I have. I was talking about my friend Mel, who I got to talk to uncut gems about. We had completely different views on that movie. I really, really enjoyed our conversation, and there was no animosity whatsoever. And man, is that awesome! Mm-hmm. That's why I want us to disagree more, Kirk. I don't know how we can do that. Yeah, but hey, we had we had good disagreements on this movie. Timothy Shyamalama. Yeah, and the structure—a very core piece right. of structure for this film, too. So, so. yeah, we'll just vow to uh, always argue but never be mean. I love it. That's that's how we're gonna do it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kill him with kindness, Kirk. That's what it's all about. Um, love it. Um, We'll be seeing that guy at the Oscars, yeah, Little Women. Yes, I thought weird you were to, mentioning weird to call Little Women that guy, but it, I say that for all. Things. I thought you were saying that little guy is in Timothy Chalamet because he is a little guy and he will be there. He'll physically be in the room, <laughs> but he will not win. No, he won't be nominated unless though. Little Women wins as a as a team. As I don't a, think as a he'll production. be nominated. I'm pulling for Saoirse though. Gosh. Oh my gosh, I want her to win so badly. She's so good, and she's Irish. I've got Irish in me. Like she's the best. I'm voting for the Irish every time. She's the best. The Irishman. Do you think my she's Meryl Streep is too bold? No, one million percent. She's she's that good. When you go toe to toe with Meryl Streep on on a set, yeah, on a screen in a film, you know you can you can just weed out the good actors from the bad straight up. And seeing her in this film, it was like so perfect when they when they had several scenes together and it was just so lovely yeah and just like made you like sigh the sigh of relief you're like okay she's accepted it's almost as uh as monumental as johnny carson asking stand-up comedians to come over to the couch like if you can get through a scene with meryl streep and you don't see her out performing you you see just this mutual connection then you've made it that's how i feel dude i gotta tell you um as i was researching for this movie i saw that Sersha and Florence Pugh both went out for the role of um, Yelena in this new Black Widow movie. Oh, wow. And I was like, Sersha would consider joining the MCU? 
let's let's have her back please yeah <laughs> please i mean i'm glad that florence Pugh got that role i think that's gonna be a great match with her and scar joe for sure great match as sisters i cannot wait actually um but please yes Sersha in the mcu as soon as possible what do we have to do i feel i feel similarly to this as i did on the greta gerwig musical what do we have to do <laughs> kirk what what can I personally do to make this happen? Do you need Petition? More, more I don't assistance? know. I mean, do you need free labor? Like, we're there. We're there. We're there. Um, okay. Now for the fun part. Schoolyard pick. Oh, yeah. This, this week's schoolyard pick is one I'm particularly excited about. This is looking into the future, Kirk. We've got all these movies coming out in 2020, right? It's a big year. We are going to schoolyard pick the movies we're most excited about. Okay. All right. Do you want to start? Do I want to start? I think it's your. It is your turn to start. I do want to start because I want to go out the gate here and take on In the Heights. Ah, <laughs> darn you! <laughs> That's right at the top of my list. I right I, in the heart, Kirk. I I know. I, I had to. You know, I got some. I got some. Uh, some shade for my Star Wars picks, and I'm um, I'm going out strong this week. Straight for the jugular, and I'm not holding anything back. I like it. Sean Mendez, there's nothing holding me back. <laughs> there's nothing holding me back. All right, Kirk, I see you. Good luck to you. <laughs> I'm going to take the Eternals. Oh, I take Marvel's great. The Eternals because I think this movie is going to have massive ramifications for the MCU. I think there's a reason that it's one of the very first Phase Four movies, and I think that this cast is very, very intriguing. Um, you know, we got Kit Harrington, we've got. Your boy, what's his name? Richard Madden. Richard Madden. Love him. We got Kumail Nanjiani, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek. Wow. This is going to be a fun time. It has to be good. And <laughs> I think that it will be. And I can't wait. Beautiful. My number two schoolyard pick. I'm taking out Tenet. Ah. The palindrome Christopher Nolan film with David Washington. What's his middle name? John David Washington. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's okay. He John has three David names. Washington. That's a tough one. And uh, uh, Robert Pattinson's in this. It's Christopher Nolan's time mind bending film. I, I just can't express. I want to know all the details about this. We got a lot of fun facts about Inception yes. that just kept pouring and I think still are coming out. I want to know all the cool stuff about this like now so that I can be even more excited for this film. I hope that it doesn't make me feel stupid. It probably will make us I'm both scared. feel stupid. I don't want to feel stupid. I had to see Inception like three times to be like, okay. I was like literally like counting. Okay, we're in layer one. All right, all right. We're layer two. La- oh, crap. We're in what layer are we in? Yeah, I remember like the end of Memento. I was like, oh, <laughs> what? What happened? <laughs> I don't want that feeling. I want to be like, I knew this was going to happen. It's, Joe, I, Joey Pants is, is in the cave and he's getting shot. What? <laughs> yeah, what's happening? Yeah. Um, there's no chance that I won't feel stupid. So, ooh, next choice. Hmm. Well, I'm going to choose this one now, and I'll leave my one that I really, really want, but I don't think you'll pick for later. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going with Dune. Okay. Denis Villeneuve. Ah. I nailed that, didn't I? <laughs> uh, that movie, because that cast is stacked. Who's in it? Do you know? Um, everyone in the free world. I'm pretty sure Timothy Shamalama Ding Dong is in that one too. Okay. Um, Denis Villeneuve is an insane director. Mm-hmm. He directed Arrival, and that movie is incredibly well done. 
Um, Timothy Chalamet is in this movie. Rebecca Ferguson's in this movie. Oh, I'm Kirk. in. I'm in. Yeah, I mean, she's I love her. She's marvelous. Listen to this cast. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. For this jelly. I don't think you're ready for this jelly, Kirk. Give it to me. Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Zendaya, Jason Momoa, Dave Bautista, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. That's insane. All of them, Kirk. They're all in this. That's insane. Yeah. So it's, and it's based on a classic, classic science fiction novel by Frank Herbert. Um, Was this a film already? Did we see a version of this? They've done a Dune, right? I thought, I thought they have, but is it is it based on the same thing, or is it just also another movie I called I think Dune? it's based on the same thing. Okay, cool. I want to I wanna know. Yeah, 1984. Yep, it's based on the same thing. Oh, and 2000? I don't know if that's oh, the same Oh, a miniseries. One. Miniseries with William Hurt. Yeah, that was a series. That's right. Very so, yeah, cool. So, yeah, they've done Dune. I think this is going to be great. Um, wow. Denis Villeneuve is... I, I sign up for anything he directs these days. Mm-hmm. He's insane. Blade Runner 2049 was right. as well. Uh, Sicario, mm-hmm. you know, which is a great one. Prisoners. I mean, the list goes on. He's he's legit. Well, that's, um, a, that's a fantastic choice. Yeah, so I'll take that one. Oh, man. Okay, my next schoolyard pick so that you cannot have them on your team and I shall have bragging rights to the end of time or the end of 2020, Cameron. I'm going to go with... No time to die. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> it's okay. I calculated that. Oh, yeah. I'll take that loss. <laughs> this is like when we played that game uh, at Christmas. What was that game called? Exploding Kittens. Yes. Oh man! And <laughs> <laughs> I pulled the old switcheroo on you there, Kirk. <laughs> we, uh, I supported you throughout the game. We both supported each other, and then we were the final two players. And I tried to outwit, outplay, and outsmart you, and you took me down. <laughs> You took me down. I had one trick up my sleeve, and I was like, here we go. It, I mean, it was high risk. It could have gone either way. It was. So, no time to die. I We don't have a, a bet for you yet. It if should he, probably be Golden Oreos, based on my performance last night. Well, see, I don't want you to puke. That's not my goal. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. You're doing what? So Snack recap, pack? No time to die. Cameron thinks that... Uh, Daniel Craig's Bond will absolutely die. I yes. think I say he lives. He's long gone. You know what's going to happen? I hope this happens because this will bring me joy. We have to see this movie together. You know, at the end of Born Ultimatum, he gets shot, falls into the oh, water. Oh, yeah. And then he's like there. And then he starts swimming away after like 10 minutes of, of other dialogue. That's what we're going to see. I will scream no. <laughs> the old switcheroo. In a theater and make people very scared. <laughs> like, no. So my bet, my wager, if he does in fact actually die, I am going to eat like 10 snack packs like Here, let me give you this in a one. row let me give you this one yes no i thought it was 12 okay Pretty 12, sure it was 12, 12 snack, snack packs yeah, in a come row. come on now don't try to cheat me out of this let's go with this how about because you love snack packs so i need to pick something i love you do how about three bags full bags of andy caps hot fries no water no nothing <laughs> three three whole bags <laughs> i can we shake on that oh we're shaking Good deal love it done Love it. I'll enjoy every second of it, Kirk. My mouth will be burning. I'll have snot running down my face. Oh, this but is... it's not going to ever happen. So, Oh, you're going down. You're getting a tattoo and you're... Oh, man. You're, you're going to suffer. I'll have milk on standby. 2020 is going to be bad news for me, man. It's going to be bad, bad news. The, the year of wagers. Let's call you Howard Ratner from Uncut Gems. Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm in way too deep. <laughs> oh, you know what I forgot to say about Uncut Gems? What I meant to say in my final thoughts... 
just going back to that. Mm-hmm. That movie, what I'm most pleased with what it gave me is an endless supply of Howard Ratner gifts <laughs> that can be used in any context. Absolutely. My personal favorites are the This Is How I Win gif. That's my favorite. I also like the I Disagree. I Disagree. Yes. That one, great. And the one that I posted last night where he's got his fingers crossed and he's looking to the right, smiling and nodding. <laughs> they're, they're all just bomb. Endless options. It's great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Adam Sandler and the Safdie brothers. I really appreciate <laughs> it. Okay, my next pick. And this was the one that I was like, I don't think you're going to pick it, so I'm going to take it. Oh, no. I want it on my list. The French Dispatch. This is the Wes Ander- the next Wes Anderson pick. Would you like me to read the cast of this movie to you? No, because I already know. You dirty, dirty dish rag. Do you? you? <laughs> this is this movie. So Wes Anderson is my fave. You know this. But tell our listeners I should have been more creative. Yeah. More the strategic. French Dispatch. Timothy Chalamet. Obvi. He's in everything. <laughs> How dare him? Um, Sersha Ronan, Doy, um, Leah Sidhu. Is that how you say your name? Sidhu. Sounds right to me. Um, Kate Winslet, Willem Dafoe, Elizabeth Moss, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, Christoph Waltz, Benicio del Toro, Jason Jason Schwartzman, Owen Wilson, Adrian Brody. They're all in that movie. I think there's like thirty Oscar winners in it's that insane. cast. It's insane. I cannot wait. I love, love, love Wes Anderson, and this is going to be fantastic. How dare you? How Can't wait. I take your French dispatch and I raise you bad boys for life. Ah, <laughs> well done. I I love this duo of Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. I've I've watched all three of the Bad Boys films, and I just want them to to keep coming. There, no, I've not watched all three. There's only two. This we will need be the to, third one. <laughs> so the th- this one comes out in two weeks. It does, which means that between now and then, I for sure have to recap all the Bad Boys movies. We mm-hmm. just have to watch them. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh my gosh, I'm having I'm having struggles. Are there three? Is this the fourth? I know there's a lot of weird Bad stuff boys? happening. I think there's three. Oh gosh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, just edit this part out where we stumble across this. So there's either two or three Bad Boys films, and this one is going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, they've been away from these characters for a long time, and they're just going to bring it. They've there's only some... two. Dang it, I was wrong. They're going to bring it. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I'm not going to edit it out. It's okay. Okay. We can't know all things all the time. Well, I want to. It's I okay. want to know all the things. So like... that's good, though, because then we'll only have to watch two Bad Boys movies. Mm-hmm. I own the second one, so don't go renting or buying. Oh, good. And we'll watch. We'll just watch. We'll have a Bad Boys marathon. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Beautiful. So, and you said this one's not the last one? No. See, this is why <laughs> I got confused, because it's called Bad Boys, because they've been with me for so long. I've yeah. just felt like I've seen three films. This is called Bad Boys for Life. So... I thought the four was a play. Even yeah, though this says yeah, this says that there's a Bad Boys four coming. Yes, it's untitled. But why again? <laughs> why is it like in the trailer? One last time, one one last ride. Here's what's bizarre about this: Bad Boys and Bad Boys two, Michael Bay. Bad Boys for Life, not Michael Bay. <laughs> sure. Bad Boys four, Michael Bay. <laughs> what? Yes. No. <laughs> Correct. Ugh. So I don't understand why the break happened. Uh, I think he must be busy with like Transformers twenty, but. I just would have waited if, if I were them. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's my, my, my fourth pick. I'm going with Black Widow. Black Widow, baby. Yeah. I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked for for ScarJo to reprise this role. Mm-hmm. One that I think she's absolutely awesome in. Can't wait for Florence Pugh's edition. 
can't wait for David Harbour as an overweight Red Guardian. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. A thousand times yes. Um, and just to get some more clues to the puzzle of, mm-hmm. of uh, you know, Natasha Romanoff. You know, the whole I got read my ledger thing that was in the Avengers. Like, what is she talking about? Mm-hmm. We know that she was like brainwashed, Russian operative. The Red Room. I want to know all about it. All of it. So, can't wait. It's going to be a good one. So this is my final one, isn't it? It is. It's your final pick. Oh, this is... Don't blow it. I probably am. Why did I overlook Black Widow in my list? I'm kicking myself for this. My final pick. Tell you what it's not going to be. Okay. It's not going to be the Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford. (laughs) Oh, dude. I have so... Did we talk about that one on this podcast yet? We've not. Maybe we can can get real next week with it. No, but seriously... (laughs) If you've not seen the Call of the Wild trailer, go watch it. Please. What is Harrison Ford doing? <laughs> and why is the dog CGI? It, it mu- looks so <laughs> bad. It looks so bad. <laughs> that film has to be like a favor to one of his like grandchildren or nieces or nephews because there's no way in good faith or in the right state of mind that Harrison Ford read that script and said, this is perfect. I just, I pray that the dog was not totally finished or something like that. But also like, why not use a real dog? Oh, the dog was completely intentional. I already read up on it. The dog was absolutely oh, intentional as no. com- complete CGI. It, it, it's, it's just a, it's just a nightmare. But while I stalled for time, I'm going to go ahead and pick my last pick for 2020. I'm really excited to see Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. Really I excited. Like it. I was uh, thoroughly shocked at the trailer that came out. And I want to just ride that wave and see what happens. Yeah. That's my pick. Yep. I, uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm choosing between four here. Four. Choosing between four. I am going to go with, I'm actually going to go with Mulan. I'm going to go with Mulan. Shocker. Because I, like I said before, I think that a dramatic retelling live action really, really, really suits the story. And I'm excited to see it. I'm okay with more serious tone. I'm okay with no music. I'm okay with it. Um, I think that's what remakes are for. I think that this story um, suits itself for a more poignant and more serious retelling. I'm I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. You know that I'm not a big Disney remake guy. This one seems appropriate. And so, yes, I'll take Mulan. All right. Wonderful pick. Honorable mentions on my list. I have Wonder Woman 1984. West Side Story, and Onward. Wonderful. I also had Wonder Woman. Hesitant for West Side Story, but I still need to see it. Yes. Um, I threw New Mutants, because apparently we're going to get that in 2020. that movie started production (laughs) in 2016. Yes. It finished production in 2017. It will be released in 2020. Yes. Maisie Williams looks like a child in that movie. Mm Mm-hmm. She's like am, 60 years old now. Uh, yeah, she's she's the lady from Titanic now. Right. I'm so confused. I'm so confused. It's it's going to be a wild. I also want to see Free Guy with our boy yes. Ryan Reynolds. Soul from Disney. Oh, I should have had that one. Top Gun Maverick. Got to see it. Yeah, sure. It's going to be a staple. And I want to see The Invisible Man. That one does look good. It looks horrifying. And Isn't it Elizabeth a, Moss? It is. Yeah. Wonderful sure. psychological thriller. I think we've got some incredible things here in 2020 for us and Popcorn for Breakfast. 
Yes, we certainly do. It's going to be another great year. Cannot wait. It'll be hard to match 2019 because holy smokes, man. Yes, people we came out swinging. Uh, totally, totally. So um, looking forward to all of that. Thank you again for joining us on this episode. We had a really fun time putting it together. Um, you've probably heard us talking about it here and there. We're going to be in Disney World next week. So PFB is going to Disney. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll have lots of fun content for you there. Um, in the meantime, we're taking a week off. Mm-hmm. We're taking a week off to vacay. I know that's like the second week off in four weeks, so I apologize for that. But we appreciate you guys bearing with us. We're going to recharge our batteries. But use this time to catch up on episodes of, of past. Um, I think we got some new listeners from our Golden Globe uh, yeah. extravaganza. So thank you for being new listeners if you're listening to this. And Absolutely. all of our regular listeners, stay with us. Hang with us. And we won't have a new episode, but we'll be social media frenzy. Yeah, yeah. Follow us on all of our social channels. Forcing our family to do videos and pictures, too. Absolutely. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. So PFB goes to Disney next week. We will catch you guys in a new episode two weeks from now, but be sure to stay apprised on social because we have lots of fun things planned. Thank you, as always, to Ryan Spriggs, who helps us produce this podcast, and to Ryan Spriggs and Brandon Aristed for our awesome theme music. We will see you all in two weeks. Talk to you then. see i'm gonna go throw the rest of those oreos away. I, i'm surprised you haven't yet i would have i opened the pantry when i got home and i was like how dare these still be here <laughs> yeah why did you take them straight put them straight in the trash